This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hi, and welcome to 3D Pod. I'm your host, Maxwell Bogue, and as always joining me, Joris Peel. And today we'll be discussing... 3D printing in space, space, space. <laughs> How you doing, Joris? Uh, good, man. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. I, um, yeah, I'm really excited about uh, today's subject, actually. So it's good. Well, I mean, I think uh, the easy thing to start with is the advantages of using 3D printing for the purposes of space exploration. So I think, well, there's two. There's one is is it's it's kind of... It's if you are going to be undertaking a journey of two years or three years or ten years, you know, stuff will break. And so the obvious way to use space or 3D printing for space on the spacecraft, right, is to repair the astronauts, the vehicle itself, and to make any kind of, uh, yeah, kind of emergency repairs or to the moment kind of emergency kind of workarounds that you might encounter on your journey to Mars. Uh, think about like, you know, at one point there are targeting trying to manually calculate the re-entry into Earth uh, during like Apollo and stuff like that. It's there's stuff that will go wrong that they don't know, they can't anticipate in advance how it will go wrong. And 3D printing gives them a, a device that can print like, for example, Ultem, or it could recycle all the food packaging into 3D printable objects on board the spacecraft. And then they could use that to solve problems they can't encounter or repair the spacecraft itself. I mean, I also think it'd be it's cool. Uh, it's cool if, uh, like, probes, for example, started having kind of onboard systems that could allow them to print tools that they weren't anticipating they would need on the mm-hmm. initial go around. You know, if uh, you need a shovel, for example, but you didn't have a shovel uh, on the robot arm, and mm-hmm. then it could somehow, you know, take Martian soil, for example, print it out into a shovel, and then, you know, dig. Uh, in a way that it wasn't able to do that before, in addition to just repairs, but being able to uh, to see challenges and, and uh, unexpected ones and meet them. Yeah, I like that idea, the, the extendable space probe. Like, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's supposed to go for two years, but maybe if it lasts longer, hey, maybe we do something really interesting with it, you know? Right, like the with the curiosity and... Um, yeah. Like, if, the, if they'd had some sort of home base that they could have been using to, like, print something to clear off the... The solar panels. I mean, I realize that you know that sounds a, a bit ridiculous initially, but under the right circumstances, and if you forethought like that, where it's like I expect this to last five to ten years, and there's going to be things that we don't even know it's going to happen. So let's give it the capability of creating new tools, essentially. Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a good idea as well. I mean, I think the other thing that's really trendy, I think, is the regolith thing. So the idea of like printing the the Mars habitat. Uh, out of uh, uh, using that as a build material to, to, to print structures and things like that. I think that's, you know, NASA doing a challenge with that. We wrote about that. That's very exciting. But to me, it always seems a bit far off, you know. It, uh, it seems, yeah, it's nice to think about that kind of stuff now, but it's uh, it seems crazy into the future. I don't know. I don't know if that's a feeling, but... But, I mean, space industry is, is starting to actually come into its own. And the fact that, you know, there's it's not just SpaceX. There are almost mm-hmm. a dozen companies now that are... 3D printing and then using those parts to make rockets and things of that nature and with metal printings and stuff like that. It also means on you know the Earth side of things um, that 3D printers have really become this darling of the space industry because you're not building, you're not mass producing a thousand rockets, you're, you're making 10. 
Uh, and then it makes more sense to print them rather than like make a mold and injection mold something or make a casting or something of that nature. I think the, the biggest advances we are seeing in the commercial space uh, industry, I mean, after NASA promoted this technology for a very long time with EBM and DMLS and, uh, and looking also at polymers, uh, more focusing on the metal side. And, uh, and they really did with the baby Bantam, for example, which they did with Aerojet, uh, Rocketdyne. The, the cool thing about the, when NASA does stuff like that is that they actually release numbers. And they demonstrably said to people, look, with Baby Bantam and other rocket engines and, and other rocket propulsion uh, units, parts of these rocket propulsion units, we are getting Hastelloy, Inconel, and, and the kind of high temperature intermetallic and, and uh, super alloys. We're getting the performance from these materials. We can print parts that, that, that can do the temperatures that we need. And this is how many part, you know, this is how many parts we can consolidate. And NASA was able to then show people, say, hey, look, this thing had 90 parts, and now it's got three, right? And if you're looking at parts consolidation in a, in a, in a new project, a new product, uh, it's very, very exciting, right? There's not three molds or three casts or, or 90 molds and casts and all God knows how much other ancillary equipment and processes you then have. You just have one process for three different parts, and then you assemble it. So you're concentrating your manufacturing risk on 3D printing, and you're potentially having a lot of less of like overhead costs, and then you're also potentially making this faster and less expensive. And that's what NASA really did. It gave everybody kind of this platter and said, look, okay, this is what we've been able to do on parts consolidation. This is what we've been able to do on saving, you know, taking a six-month project and doing it in two months. And this is what we've been able to do in cost savings. So it became like a no-brainer from all these commercial space guys, especially the ones looking at the propulsion side of things. Um, uh, to, to, to look at 3D printing as the defining technology of this new space age. Yeah, I mean, you think it's definitely done a paradigm shift, so to speak, uh, or disrupted it uh, in its its core. When you think about the fact that the shuttle was like a, over a billion dollars to launch every single time, and now for that amount of money, you could pretty much fund a, a Mars mission uh, mm -hmm. using some of the commercial rocket systems like SpaceX and, and the other guys. Um, Mm -hmm. Was Blue Horizon? I can, I can never remember. The yeah. Name yeah, Blue Horizon is the Amazon one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Blue uh, Origin. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, Blue. Yeah, I got it wrong. Too. They're not so good at the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. They never are. But I think, in the ultimate, like I would totally bet on them to win. I think. I think the idea of them going quiet and steady is is, is really the approach. Whereas I, I always get this idea of any of the Elon Musk joint that it's 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 very much in like if you believe in the marketing we can get enough money to make this dream happen kind of thing yeah where where Amazon is just like or Jeff Bezos is just like I'm going to build a rocket in all quietness and every once in a while we'll we'll show you how we're doing that to me is is much more fundamentally focused on the engineering and rather than this being like some show yeah i mean Elon Musk tends to be a a big show guy um to get things yeah. done so I agree with you. No. <laughs> I think he's going to inspire a lot of people to do more engineering -y things and, and think of like more beta, more engineering things to be more uh, more exciting, maybe, perhaps. And he's maybe going to inspire, inspire a lot of people to say, hey, I'm going to go green and save the world. But he's also one of these guys that could just at one point just blow up or, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> or, or, you know, that kind of stuff is like really, it really frightens me in that sense. Cause he's, yeah, but, but it's really exciting what he's doing. You know, I think if we talked about parts consolidation, and I think if, if we see these guys that they're all doing it and they're all irrespective of what they want to create, if they're only focusing on engines 
uh, if they're focusing on small uh, delivery vehicles, also the people making CubeSats, for example. Yeah. Uh, people are making CubeSats out of polymer, but also on metal printing. Um, so it's not only propulsion, uh, and it's also kind of also on, uh, you know, the bigger, the was the SLS engine uh, is also doing it, and, and United Launch Alliance, Lockheed, Boeing, uh, you know, all the more traditional uh, companies are also looking at or are using uh, 3D printing extensively as well, also because they use it for for uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles and, and, and nuclear warheads and things like that. But they're also reappropriating this technology for use in, in the space application, which I think is really... Uh, so it's not only the startups, because I think we do tend to focus a little bit too much on the startups and then and not enough on companies like Rocketdyne or or companies like you know Boeing that have been doing a lot of this uh, stuff already for a very long time. I was just going to say, I've also seen proposals from like JPL and stuff like that, where they're talking about, you know, weaving a solar sail in space mm -hmm. uh, using yeah. basically printer technology rather mm -hmm. than um, having the solar sail built on Earth um, yeah. so that it can, you know, once again, it's easier to get up the raw materials into space and then yeah. just simply build the object. Now, obviously, it means that the printer has to be perfect. Um, yeah which uh, has its own challenges. But uh, it's definitely exciting to see where this could potentially head, as well as the possibilities of you know, sending probes to Mars, landing it mm -hmm. down, and then building homes and, and, mm -hmm. uh, or building habitats before any astronauts actually even get there, so that when they yeah. do get there, everything's ready to go, and they just have to move in ready, so to speak. I, I know Only you're, you're more, more uh, skeptical of uh, the concrete-style printing, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, not in the in the space stuff. I think if NASA specs it and scopes all that, then I think it, that that was one that has to work. Right. A uh, bit different than the, if the marketing department scopes it, which is the stuff happening on here on Earth at the moment. So I'm a little bit going to be less skeptical of printing on Mars than on Earth at the in that, uh, <laughs> at this point. But I don't know. I think that's 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 very exciting. I think I think I like the idea of them. You know, not just like being like Apollo, like everybody just shows up and hops around. But right. yeah, there, there's a, there's a base already, or there's like all the stuff already, and printing will play a, a huge part of that. I mean, I think you know, on the vehicle, you know, making the vehicle itself, as in creating the engines and all the things to make it faster and lighter, um, to make it have less parts, and to make those parts do the same with lighter mass. I think that's going to be huge. I think you know, printing on the spaceship to make everybody live longer, repair somebody's kidney or whatever. That's going to be a huge impact if we really want to go like you know, multi-decade-like missions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we know that, you know, there have been tests now with people, the twins, and this twin test and all this other stuff. Um, uh, but we don't know what kind of, like, you know, what kind of effects human beings uh, who are going to do kind of more longer-distance space travel, what that's going to do with their bodies. We don't know because the guys that they've been testing on, they've been on board like a space station that's relatively close to us. So it's still it's technically still, in Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how high up there exactly, but it's just that, yeah, it's gonna be very different if all of a sudden you're, you're traveling you know, in a straight line or not in a straight line, but, but if you're traveling to Mars or stuff. So they are gonna find a lot of them, the bioprinting stuff that they're gonna to have to try and figure out how to you know, repair unforeseen problems. And then on top of that, the, uh, yeah, the stuff that Made in Space is doing that, and also there's like Tethers Unlimited, and and they 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 want to make these space tethers and these in space printers and that could be that could just change everything. I mean the idea to have a, a tether like a really long tether printed and then essentially like the spacecraft slingshots itself around the planet, mm -hmm. uh, around a bunch of planets. That's just completely insane, right? It's like a 
a completely different way of, uh, of thinking about the space thing. And a very, you know, if you're already looking at the long distance probes that go you know, Jupiter and stuff, that, that seems like a really good idea to just, if you could just, you know, slingshot yourself around more things, then that would be uh, with a tether or with a, some kind of a sky hook, uh, then, then of course it would be very, very exciting as well. I think the opportunity as well for, for mining, uh, for asteroid mining and stuff like that is greatly enhanced with the ability to 3D print, obviously, but also to like mine the materials and then print off of those materials to keep things going. I mean, obviously those are much longer term kind of goals and that's when we're talking about multi-generational ships and things of that nature to try and uh, be yeah. able to to sustain and build entirely new systems. Um, well, aren't you a little bit worried that all the smart billionaires are diversifying away from the space asset or the the Earth asset? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'll sell you all the stuff you don't need to clog up your house and the world and everything, and then I'm going to go sit on Mars. Ha ha ha. I'm going to go take off later, guys. <laughs> You know, it's, it, I don't know. It's a bit worried. Like, I hear you talking about, like, you know, this multi-generation stuff. But who's going to be up there, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I hear, I hear, I've heard, you know, I, I'm very excited about space just because of the techie side of things. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know, and I have friends who are very, like, what's the point of space? Let's fix the problems here. Yeah. Where are we going yeah. to space? Except that oftentimes through space exploration, we find new technology that allows us to help and aid in our abilities to actually help with the Earth, you know. Like Tang. <laughs> well, like our, our weather our weather satellite system. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry. Oh. Yeah, so, so, so your idea is that through space we can, wouldn't it be, but I, I'm with, the, I think, your buddies there that, that say that, like, let's focus that energy on, you know, whatever, the world's energy problems, making air conditioning that, that is really super energy efficient and stuff like that. Stuff that we think we know we're going to need, and is a huge business here on Earth. I think, you know, yes, there could be wonderful, exciting spin-off things from space because it's hard. But we could also just redesign air conditioning systems so they use like only one percent of the energy they use today, you know, or lighting, or you know. I really think that that's a, you know, that's a that's a huge uh, potential there to 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 really uh, you know change the way we engineer our Earth, and then without having to go to space. Although I do have a really good idea for a TV program that takes place in space, and, and I would like to see that made. But uh... <laughs> all right, so check it out. It's a... I'll, I'll, I'm going to pitch you my Netflix you're show. Pitch, all right, give me your Netflix show. Here. <laughs> so, so there's like, okay, the Earth is about to blow up, right? And so like a rocket lifts off, and it's like it's like Mariah Carey and Richard Branson on it, right? Okay. And then, uh, and then there's another rocket with like Elon Musk and then like the guy from Palantir and a bunch of the startup dudes, right? And they they lift off. And then you know there's some like Grimes and a couple of like singers. And then there's a European rocket, but they don't lift off because the manual's in the wrong language and they're willing to they still figure out who to what proportion of people they get on board it and stuff. And then there's like an Indian rocket and a Chinese one. And then they all end up on the moon, and it's them trying to like compete against each other and stuff. <laughs> the ultimate reality TV show that <laughs> exactly. no one is watching because all of humanity is dead. <laughs> and then uh, Elon immediately starts like you know building cities on Mars and you know. <laughs> and making outrageous statements. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> making outrageous claims like a green Mars. <laughs> we will build golf courses. You know. <laughs> Then oh. Trump, Trump just gets the rocket all by himself. <laughs> oh man, straight. <laughs> anyway, that's my Netflix plan. I, I hope that'll work. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why they haven't gotten back to you yet. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a solid <laughs> it's idea. 
solid idea. They must be so amazed that they're not mailing me back. They're like, oh my god, it's so incredible. So incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not sending it back. But but do you think do you see any risks or any problems with 3D printing in space? Because it, it it just just seems in oh this yeah is one of the areas where it's like it seems like super positive for us. So I mean I think some of the risks on like if you're having you know space-based assets that are doing 3D printing um, out in in raw space that you're going to also as a result potentially create hazards, you know debris and things of that nature. Like mm -hmm. we already have a lot of space junk, uh, and it's threatening for a lot of our launch vehicles. So I could see that being increased through, you know, a misstep on a 3D printer just spooling out into space <laughs> and then creating a new object that could be caught by like a solar sail or caught by like a... Hal abort the print. Yeah, Hal. Hal abort right. the print. I'm, I can't do I'm, that right now. Yeah, I'm sorry, Joyce. I can't do that right now. I have to finish my print. Uh, so you know, you could I could see some of that kind of stuff, or um, you know, getting the raw materials is always another side of it. Communication satellite eats another Inmarsat to finish well, its, its sale. If you get to this advanced level where uh, autonomous style drones or autonomous yeah. things that have printers in them yeah. need to consume resources, and you set it like just go around, and it could start eating. Space yeah. probes and satellites, by, because of someone misprogramming, you know, not like yeah. actual malice. Yeah, the AI just said, "Make yeah. the best solar cell." <laughs> right. So it just grabbed a bunch of satellites that we needed. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I always, am, I think, you know, it's well, it's dangerous at the same time. Like nuclear power in space makes a a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I know getting it into space is the the dangerous part, but once you're in space, like, hey. It's, it's, it can be a breeder reactor rather than, you know, the rod reactors. Uh, and you have like 300 years worth of uh, fuel ready to go. So if you're using, you know, different drive systems, then I could see that. But, yeah, I could see how 3D printers could be used to construct those pieces in space uh, to help reduce the chances. I mean, it's just getting the fissionable material into orbit. That's the, the really dangerous part of that, obviously. Um, okay. So those are some of the things That's I That's a really see. bad idea, dude. Can I know, I just like, yeah. Can I just like start no more nuclear reactors in in uh, in space? Can I just, <laughs> just sounds like a really bad idea. The Russians are really good at because they've always been very good at making really tiny nuclear reactors. Yeah, yeah, for suitcase sized even for some applications. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know that this is like I've been reading a lot about this. Like, so, so at one point the U.S. developed the Russians had these suitcase nukes, right? And the U.S. developed these these uh, a nuclear uh, mortar, right? <laughs> so you're supposed to jump out of an aircraft with this thing strapped to your back, and then you're supposed to fire a mortar for like two kilometers, and then well, you know, the training stops, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then in the same time, the U.S. did like the stupidest thing it's ever done, which is like they decided to do this thing called Project Iceworm, where they wanted to, without the, the Danish knowing, construct uh, 4,000 kilometers uh, of underground tunnels in Greenland, right, where they wanted to put 600 nuclear weapons in that they would constantly move around. <laughs> and they wanted to power this whole thing with nuclear power. But no one will notice. <laughs> No, it's called Project Iceworm. It's it's it, it, they went, like imagine like how so far did it get? About, 
you can talk about an area of the world where there's 100 kilometer winds and minus 40 degrees and all those ice storms and stuff, and they wanted to construct 4,000 kilometers of tunnels. And the idea was they actually put in Tula Air Force Base, they put in a nuclear reactor, or near that, and then they wanted to put in, secretly put in another one to melt the, uh, the permafrost and build like like 4,000 kilometers of tunnels. Do you have any idea how much that is? That's a, that's a lot of tunnels. That's a lot of tunnels to go unnoticed. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without telling the Danish, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah anyway. <laughs> and that was the, like, the second stupidest thing they did with Tula. It was at one point they lost a nuclear weapon there. <sighs> uh, oops. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway so, so I do I do think that this kind of techno-optimism uh, has, you know, it has its failings. I mean, I do think that, you know, if we were to, to invest so much in into space exploration, yes, we would get some kind of effort out of it. But wouldn't it disproportionately benefit just the wealthy? I mean, because eventually you need like physical bodies and labor and things of that nature. And it's if you were to take it to the point where we are a multi-planet species, then doesn't it? Isn't it actually more like uh, a gold rush, so to speak, of people? Because you need someone to like go and help set up, and you need someone to like go live there and like do stuff. So aren't we then, as a result, isn't it like expansion to the West or like you know colonization of the New World? Obviously there were horrible side effects from those things um, mm -hmm. but there are no people on these places that we're supposedly going to um, so as a result it, I think it's an opportunity for people to to go forth like because originally the people going to to the new world were like second sons and third sons and things of mm -hmm. that nature so mm -hmm. this is I could I see it more like in that nature where it's like you know down on your luck try mars um at the same time i can totally see how it'll be exploitative and people will be taken advantage of uh the same way they are on earth uh but it could open up new opportunities so i, I like to see it in a balanced uh, in between if it's done properly well if anything's done properly but if it's done properly i think it could result in some great expansion and and wealth creation for people mm -hmm. who aren't rich um because of mm -hmm. the need for for labor and then people that are willing to go are going to either be desperate or really excited by the idea yeah well, i don't know i do think you know you're not going to just take everyone i mean i think no i think you know i think nowadays you don't need that many people you know if we really look at it we, with robots and all this automation stuff, yeah you really need some really bright people so i'm just it's a bit worried that that, that it's like these these seasteading kind of independent the government's not needed and ran types that are really also into the space exploration bit you know and yeah i just really wonder that these guys could just untether themselves and just say like uh yeah this is my planet thanks <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like, <laughs> you know, it's like uh yeah you guys uh, have your own world i've got my own planet here Amazonville. Amazon. Uh, well, I mean that is a consideration because it's like, who owns these spaces? You know, yeah, no exactly. one. Yeah. So like, if you set up a moon base, if if a major corporation, if Google sets up a moon base, like, do, is Googleville? Yeah. Have they declared themselves a sovereign nation as a result, or are they still yeah. under U.S. law, or are they under international treaty, or yeah, like, are they pirates? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, exactly. I, mean, I, I do think it's, it's a bit strange because it's, it's, you know, I just, you know, keep seeing this as a national development where, you know, corporations are getting richer and more influential and ever more mercenary, let's say. And, and, and then, yeah, if you look at the next stage of them giving them so much power that they have, 
essentially like 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 most of the parts you would need to make a, a intercontinental ballistic middle, missile, uh, and then they, they they can then you know land it on an asteroid or a planet or something. I, I'm not entirely sure how you could um, rein something like that in, right? Right. How yeah. you could uh, yeah. you know be, be have any influence on them, right? They would need your the regulatory body would be very powerful, right? Giving them permission to lift off and stuff. But apart from that, how do you? How do you control some of that? Space Force. Yeah, Space Force. <laughs> and they'll 3D yeah. print all of their uh, needed supplies and weapons. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I am worried in the space context as well. I'm also worried that this is a kind of uh, a weaponization of, of 3D printing, which has already been going on for a long time. And not, not, it's not these three guys that are printing guns. It's silly. But more of a, a, a military application becoming much more into the fore. Yeah, and beyond uh, just like repairing something, but actually yeah. like yeah, creating a space-based weaponry or something of that nature, or even yeah. the worst scenario, which is you know um, throwing rocks, what, what? throwing rocks, like where you're creating something to propel you know space assets into the Earth's atmosphere to like strike yeah. a, a place, and it's oh great, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I hadn't thought of that. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most devastating ways that you could uh, could hurt the planet. I always thought of like these James Bond villains of being like not real, and now it's like they're on Twitter, you know. (laughs) You just want Elon Musk to say, "I'm at my moon base," (laughs) and he would do it, and everybody like, "Oh, it's so funny," and it's like, "No, no, no, he's serious." Using my laser. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like stuff like that. It's like, it's like, it's it's like as if we got like all the worst kind of sci-fi, you know. <laughs> None of the positive stuff at all. The None day. of the good stuff, except for like the doors. Oh no, we don't have those either, right? We don't even have, we don't even have the cool like automated doors in my house that open. I really didn't think I'd have to open a door anymore. This being like, yeah. Imagine this, 2019? I didn't think well, I'd have to open a door. I didn't think the doors would still be made of wood. That's insane. I was, I was really hoping we'd have flying cars by now, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my flying car? Right? Where's my exoskeleton? I mean, right? those things are coming along though, right? Like you're, you're seeing exoskeletons and now these new drone cars and stuff like that, which are largely 3D printed. Uh, so it's it's happening it's just as always everything happens at a much slower rate than we want it to yeah to me always like the space is the one application that makes the most sense because it's a new product with new geometries yeah Uh, surface texture optimization also makes a lot of sense in a space application parts consolidation and yeah just saving mass is just so much more expensive like weight is so much more expensive in the space application uh that the 3d printing really makes more sense for space than almost anything so for maybe aerospace and but in the space uh, application, it's just like it's absolute no-brainer that our, our technology is going to be the, the default of this uh, industry. Yeah, because why would you take a million different little pieces of supplies when you could, when you don't know what you're going to need, when you can just take one machine and then raw materials and then make those pieces that you're going to need uh, later on? Yeah, but also, yeah, and also if, if the engine is made out of like, you know, 625 or whatever, or 718, then... You'd want to use the same material as much as possible, right? Right. Uh, so yeah. you can then repair and augment the engine. Yeah. Uh, so you could repair and augment the engine on the way up or back or whatever. If something goes wrong with it. So you'd want to reduce the number of materials and reduce the number of processes. And yeah, the 3D printer 
is the one you're going to take with you because that's the one that's going to be able to repair the the thing. You're not going to take like a, a seven axis CNC machine into space. Yeah. And a three doodler so that you can weld the yeah. pieces together. <laughs> You <laughs> should make a space version. Oh, I, I've been trying, actually. We've yeah. been, uh, we keep trying to, because if you think about it, like on the International Space Station, um, a large chunk of it's like made out of, of plastics. And yeah. The current three-doodler is capable of operating that environment to allow you to like weld pieces together for temporary repairs and stuff. Do you also buy or PAI polythermide or not? What temperature is it at? What? What temperature is it run at? Uh, I think it like it's like no, I have to guess, but it's like I think it's about two thirty, two fifty, or something like that. Yeah, you could. I have to look it up actually because I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, oh, it's actually three fifty-five. Uh, I'd have to do a special version, but yeah. Yeah, so it's three fifty-five, three sixty uh, on nozzle temp, and then um, yeah, it's like so if you wanted to do bite or or all time, you need three fifty-five or something like that. But that that would be something that they would be really enthusiastic about using, I think, because that has low smoke and low uh, toxicity. Right. Cleared and and uh, it's a really cool golden color as well and and also but it's it, yeah it's, it's it's relatively safe to be using up in in, uh, in a space station type of thing if it catches fire although they also did some testing as well on these printers with ABS and uh, and other materials as well I mean to me it's it, it, the idea is, the exciting idea is you need all this food packaging right so if you make all the food packaging out of a material that you can then grind up and recycle they're working on these grinders and recyclers as well then if you make all the food packaging out of a material they can turn into a build material then it's also really exciting. Right, because so, you, you so. already have to have this material up there anyway, so why not just... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and otherwise, they generously... Right, and in a pinch, you can uh, you can take, like, an unopened food packet and, like, use it to, you know, eat a meal and then at the same time print something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I like that idea. And then what I'm, what I'm saying is that is unlikely that they would use, like, Altem or something for the food packaging. Um, I mean, they can blow it. So, so, you know, the idea would be that, that if that... Um, that would probably be a lower temperature plastic. That would be something like a, a normal packaging material kind of thing. Uh, so that would also mean me do scope for a three doodler as well. You can. There are ways of getting like stuff tested and, and done on board the ISS. Right, you have to pay for it, right? Right. Uh, but you can do stuff like that. That would be awesome to have like a space version. I know. <laughs> it's something I've thought. No, about. Actually, like, literally, there's like these programs you can go into and then. And now they're, they're very gung-ho on them, so it could be very interesting. Three, and you could sell the Space Edition. It really works for Omega, dude. They do, they do a lot of watches. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could do that, too. Um, but, engineers. Uh, yeah, exactly. Dude, well, the JPL that... has a couple, actually. Uh, really? Are you allowed yeah. to say that? That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, they, they bought a bunch. So That's amazing, dude. Right? I think it's very cool. And uh, they bought it for their 2D designers, to yeah. convey concepts to their 3D designers. Ah, okay. So it's like, it's like it just because they were running into issues where like a 2D designer, you know, they yeah. just don't have the skill to describe something in 3D. So then yeah. if they doodle it, they can say like, see, like this is what the fin is supposed to look like, like this. Uh-huh. Then they're like 3D guys and be like, oh, why didn't you just do that to begin with? <laughs> okay, okay, that's cool. But that, that I could totally see a, a 3D doodler kind of makes sense in in space. It's like there's a whole. Yeah, exactly. The hole in the ISS. You could have like plugged the hole in the ISS. Yeah, plugged that hole. That that, yeah. that person supposedly. Uh, did they ever verify that? Did that guy actually? Did someone actually cause that hole? I don't know, dude. I don't think anybody was like, "Oh, my bad." <laughs> well, because there was a story for a little while that someone actually. Yeah, like, everybody's blaming each other, right? Yeah. I, I don't remember actually if there was ever any kind of solid conclusion to that. 
That would be really bad, dude. That's a bit. Of, that's an uh oh moment there. If you make a hole in the right? stage, <laughs> you know? you're like, oh, my bad. Uh, everything okay? No, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. fine. I'm just a little depressed, so uh, <laughs> I made a new window to have some view. <laughs> you're like, oh, do you have a cigarette? No, we don't have a cigarette. Oh no, I'm just sticking out the. I'm going to stick it out this little hole. <laughs> Your toothbrush? <laughs> what do you mean? Why would you want my toothbrush? Uh, just because. <laughs> it's the right size. Yeah. But I think I think that could be really interesting, like preparing the space station, preparing kind of uh, any kind of thing and improvising and... And, making... and welding prints together that are... Because, um, you you know, you have a small print bed, right? Like a space yeah. is premium. So the ability to weld, like, prints together. Oh, uh, I like that, dude. Yeah. Because so, you can use the same material. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea as well. Yeah, or maybe an EVA outside the vehicle. Yeah, that I... I <laughs> no? Like, I mean, you need a big power supply to, like, fight the negative, whatever, 375 Kelvin yeah. <laughs> that space is to, like, keep material up. Uh, it's a giant solar cell on the back of like the astronaut as they're uh, yeah. extruding material. I'd, I would, that would be interesting though to see what happens when you try to 3D print in a vacuum. And they're, they're trying to do it. They're, they're, no, they're no, I know, but I just think there's, there's what a, happens to extruded material when you yeah. extrude in a vacuum. I have no idea actually, but there is a project of, of doing. Yeah, there is a project of actually trying to space, print in space itself. So not on the Mars, but in the space for the solar cells and all these other you know things they yeah, want yeah. to do. So they, they are figuring out how to do that. So I don't know how they do it, but I have no idea. I read some stuff on it. It's all a bit, it seems like crazy. It seems like totally crazy to me you know, what they're doing. So, so it's, it's always like, yeah, I can't really understand what where that's going, you know, like making the vehicle or making, right. uh, or, 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 yeah. Right, because we're still not even at like, you know, you can print a circuit board on one printer and then you need another printer to like print the housing. And then you need another. You need an SMTP machine to put the chips down and stuff. And yeah, yeah they're working on all of it. Are they? So no, no, no. Yeah, bio printer yeah. for space, a printer, a recycler, and a, a circuit printer. All of them for space. And they funded all of them. And even the funding documents are available, so you can find out which companies are doing them. And also then the in-space printer as well. And that's all NASA as well. Again. Uh, so it's all the advancements of 3D printing that we'll have as a result that will come back down to Earth and we can use. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I mean, what really amazes me is, you know, it, it is really difficult to see what kind of a role NASA will get. Because if we look at all the 3D printing stuff, the actual fundamental innovation was all done by NASA. All done because they can do these explorations and these crazy things like spending millions and trying to get, a, you know, an extrusion, a material extrusion device on, on board the ISS. And then also spending additional millions to make a bioprinter and additional millions to make a, a you know another uh, you know electronics based printer. Right. So it's difficult to see, you know, how, how you know a companies like a SpaceX or something like that would also deploy the same technology. Well, uh, yeah, but oftentimes, like you know, government entities are what uh, pushes research forward, especially in the United States, with like um, with the Defense Department because well, they have upgrades and stuff. Oak Ridge and Sandia and all these national labs, Livermore and stuff, they do a yeah, ton of like, they're all, really amazing, they're all and then NEA as well. Yeah, they all fund these amazing like projects, which then initially are done for some, you know, military reason, the internet, uh, mm -hmm. and then we it becomes used by the public. GPS, mm -hmm. you know, these Keyhole, are all yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keyhole and Google Maps. Uh, None of yeah, these things uh, would exist without without those innovations created for military purposes. 
which uh. is not the best way to be doing innovation, but it's what's funding it. So, but that is that's totally true. I mean, in the U.S. I know people in the U.S. and they're all working on stuff like I'm working on a drone the size of an ant or fly, you know. Yeah. And and in Holland and or in Europe, they're all like working on like buttons for. We're trying to print the buttons for the washing machine. Right, <laughs> and and we're literally that's where the the EU funding is going, stuff like this. And then I'm like, do you guys do know that the Americans are working on like space lasers and stuff? You know, uh, my favorite one was a friend of mine was working on a uh, he had to just had a brief, like he didn't know how he was going to do it, but an outfit uh, that could climb walls. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a brief, like yeah, it just yeah. needs to climb walls. I don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in Europe, it's like, oh, we've nearly gotten the high temperature polycarbonate to do the buttons of the dishwasher. Let's make it nice Milo white, you know? It's like, and so that's a, there is a real fundamental difference. And if you're looking at what Oak Ridge is doing and Lawrence Livermore and stuff, they're, they're de we're developing like, you know, maybe over a half a dozen 3D printing technologies each. Uh, and they've made a bunch of other ones as well, Sandy as well. Uh, they've actually literally commercialized these technologies to make, you know, to repair turbine blisks because there's a lot of things that have turbine blisks on them, uh, and also to to make gradient metals uh, and to print intermetallics uh, to do laser arrays. So they're doing arrays of of, uh, of lasers instead of just like one laser moving around or four. Uh, it's, it's it's like a gigantic array of lasers. They of course print a lot faster, and they're working on these high temperature applications as well, and things like magnets and stuff like that. And it's all military applications. It's all uh, these things that are really kind of driving uh, their development forward. But yeah, so there are a lot of positive effects. I think I think there's definitely a lot of positive effects to the United States of America. Uh, I mean, I think you guys can, you know, that does have a big trickle down effect on on what you're. Yeah, oh, defense contractors can make because it, it, it happens for the defense contractors first, and then it becomes commercialized for civilians. Yeah, uh, and then you know, ten years or twenty years after it's come out for the military, it becomes like a daily use item. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. and then I mean, let's be honest: the whole reason that NASA exists is because we were in a cold war with Russia, uh, mm -hmm. and so as a result, we created a civilian quote unquote agency. Uh, to to deal with that, but I mean, all the initial test pilots and stuff like that for space—they're all military pilots uh, mm -hmm. of some form, either you know from one branch or another of the military. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, but only now did they open it up more because huh? before it was uh, they had all because it was it was too expensive and too ridiculous. Yeah. Like we were actually, I think, pushing rocket technology, to, like yeah. landing on the moon when we landed on the moon yeah. was an amazing accomplishment accomplishment considering that like they had less power than a pocket calculator yeah. has um whereas if obviously you know we're trying to do it today uh we have a much better understanding of what all that means and i don't know if mm -hmm. if we had started like trying to land on the moon in the 80s rather than when mm -hmm. we did it in the 50s would we then still be on the moon because we'd be all all about trying to create a more permanent base like on the mm -hmm. moon but then launch from from there to do the next mm -hmm. phase. Like you go to the moon, use the moon as a base, and then from the moon you can start going to Mars and start going to Europa mm -hmm. and you start going to all these other places. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, th I think yeah. So it did start really in a really military way as a yeah, essentially it's a, a pissing contest between two countries, right? Yeah. Uh, Who stole more German scientists? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. stole more drone scientists with with with, with terrible pass and, and managed to uh, to re repurpose them into building bigger rockets. So, yeah, it was crazy actually. It did you know bring us satellites and and a television that we can watch everywhere and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Uh, internet that we can get everywhere. Or these phones that 
satellite phones and all this craziness. Uh, GPS is, 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 I think, a really good example you mentioned that a lot of people, if GPS ever goes down, right? Which, <laughs> which it American, might. Yeah. The pole's shifting and there's a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of other crap going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like some solar flare or something. And then yeah. all of a sudden we don't, don't have GPS. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We've all become unconsciously very dependent on it. Yeah, that's all. I don't think a lot of people would be able to, to, to navigate their own cities and, yeah. uh, without it. So, so these these technologies are really, you know. So, I do believe that you know there is a real potential to get really good stuff that comes from space. But on the one hand, I'm also kind of like really worried about diverting attention away from, you know, pretty spectacular challenges on Earth as well. Yes, I mean it's a balancing uh, act, and trying to determine how the space-based stuff can also benefit the Earth. I think is how how best mm-hmm. to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, things like batteries and power and so it seems really obvious or better solar things but I mean it could also be very divorced right it could become like kind of stuff that doesn't really matter to us or doesn't really advance science much on earth anymore because it's really just just basically specifically being used for the space application you know a lot of this is NASA was also supposed to prove its worth right by sharing this stuff and sharing this technology to get people to notice like yeah NASA was doing good keep us keep giving us money yeah. Right. So Blue Origin has no such obligation. Yeah. Well, I think you know, space is an exciting uh, frontier, and uh, we'll be watching with bated breath to see kind of what happens and how 3D printing technology can be utilized to aid in that, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be for the better. But I think that's uh, that's probably all the time we have for now. Thank you for joining us on the 3D Pod. I'm Maxwell Bogue. Joined, as always, by Joris Peel. Thank you. Have a great day, and keep on listening. Let us know if you have any comments or questions, and we'd love to hear any topic suggestions or anything like that. You've been listening to The 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.